You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. If you wish to join us, 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Still time, by the way, to get your suggestions for buy, sell, or hold in. Tweet those to us, at Steve Dace Show on uh, Twitter. You can also like us on Facebook. And email the program. That's another way to stay in touch with us. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. And for those of you that are listening later on uh, on the podcast version on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. I mentioned buy, sell, or hold. Coming up next hour, Daniel Horowitz, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, will take us inside politics here at the bottom of this hour. But first, we begin by getting everybody updated on what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Prince of Light and Hope. And I'm actually the Prince of the Light. Who's going to veto his state's heartbeat and stand your ground bills if they make it to his desk. Also... But first to six, a major blow for prosecutors in that historic female genital mutilation case. A federal judge ruling today that the nation's FGM law is unconstitutional. As a result, a number of key charges against two local doctors and others in the case are being dismissed. So nuns have to violate their religious belief to provide birth control because misogyny, but Muslims can mutilate women because of their religious beliefs. Got it. Barack Obama. Like that, right now I could take off the shelf existing technologies. We could reduce carbon emissions by, let's say, 30%. Without any, you know, it's not like we'd all have to go back to caves and, you know, live off, you know, fire. Um, uh, we could have electricity and smartphones and uh, all that stuff. Um, which would buy us probably another 20, 30 years for that technological breakthrough that's necessary. The reason we don't do it is because we are still confused, blind, shrouded with hate, anger, racism, mommy issues. So if you're skeptical of science, you're racist, hateful, have mommy issues, all that good stuff. Speaking of science, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services proposes to establish a legal definition of whether someone is male or female based on the genitals they're born with. This proposal has no foundation in science and should be abandoned. Kirsten Cinema makes history as the first bisexual member of the U.S. Senate. If you're having trouble following the logic today, we are still confused, blind, shrouded with hate, anger, racism, mommy issues. 
Oil prices getting lower. Great, like a big tax cut for America and the world. Enjoy. $54 was just 82. Thank you to Saudi Arabia, but let's go lower. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. <laughs> oh, where to begin? Doctrines of demons up and down the board of today's montage. You know what? Um, like it says in my most underrated favorite Christmas Rankin-Bass Christmas special that will soon be airing. Person, bah humbug to you. Uh, that is the Rankin-Bass version of Twas the Night Before Christmas. When confronted with a tall piece of cheddar, best to start from the top. It'll be airing after Thanksgiving, correct? Um, yes. Well done. I walked into that, didn't I? Yes. It's four after. I'm not off to a... Happy is, Thanksgiving, Steve. It's like turning it over on your first possession in a rivalry <laughs> game. That That's not how you want to start on the road. Um, except I'm the home team here, and I did it anyway. Uh, let's start with John Kasich. So we've had this conversation throughout the course of the 2018 election that essentially virtue is removed at this point. You know, so uh, you're, this is a self-preservation act, and the vast majority of these Republicans have not earned your vote. And you're essentially, and, and, and so don't pretend otherwise. Don't, don't, let, get rid of the phony lesser of two evil arguments. Pretend that, stop telling me they're conservatives when they're not. Stop. Let's stop lying to each other and admit that absent virtue, self-interest remains, right? We've had that conversation. Yes. Here's the thing, though. I think that's a much more cut and dried conversation when we're talking about legislative races. And the people you're voting for that you acknowledge up front are bad will not as affirmatively be able to wreck you as someone in a chief executive position. Ken, you see where I'm going with this? Okay. Well, with them, you're voting more for a, a mathematical equation at the yes. end of the day than a standard bear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, a, in, a, in, a, in a legislative referendum, my transactional theory of voting works much simpler. Yes. Because the because you can just essentially sabot. Yeah, I mean, that's where, the, mm-hmm. that's where we get the term sabotage from. Uh, not a Beastie Boy song, although it probably is their best one. No, it, the, the French workers were upset at the... Byzantine draconian labor laws. And so they would take off their shoes called sabots and they would throw them into the machines in order to gum up the works. That's where we get the term sabotage from. Okay. So it's easier to practice this level of self-preserving sabotage in a legislative referendum election because you can essentially say, I'm just trying to grind the gears down here Mm -hmm. to avoid an invasion. But when you're, you're voting for a chief executive now, this is not the same thing. When you're voting in a legislative election, you're voting for, for corporals, colonels, but often foot soldiers. When you're voting in a chief executive election, you're voting for the general. And when that office, its primary function is to, con- is to be the command center for the advancement and defense of your values, I'm not sure my transactional math applies as neatly here oh, I'm certain of it as it does legislatively and Kasich is a key point this is why I didn't vote for Trump in 2016 but now that I've looked at his record I don't think his character is any better in fact it might even I might even be more appalled by it most days but because uh, the White House doesn't make people more righteous it just reveals the character that you already have right but 
he has a record of acting affirmatively on things in, in my self-interest with Trump. And so if he's acting on my self-interest, then again, I'm back to absent virtue self-interest remains, right? So the math with Trump could change for me in 2020 based on how I have seen him in certain situations affirmatively act in my self-interest. When the chief executive, though, has continuously acted against your self-interest. I think this math is kind of out the window now, right? Or am yeah. I wrong? What do you guys think? Like, tell me, tell me how if you're a conservative that voted for John Kasich in the last Ohio gubernatorial election, tell me what you are thinking this morning. What, what was the point of that vote? Particularly because were you rallied to vote for him on the grounds of the basic math of a fallen world that we are doing right here? Well, we're we're not we're not deluding each other. We're not we're not pretending something is happening here of nobility. We're just simply saying, dude, this is a crap situation. So, if you've got a if you've got a if you've got a self interest you know vested interest, act on it. But let's not pretend. Do you think that's how they were rallied to vote for John Kasich in his last gubernatorial yeah. election? No, uh, you were rallied never. on. It's uh, never, that. never. No, it's the lesser to evils, and or he'll be great for Ohio, and the Democrats will wreck us. Well. How do you feel about that this morning, do you think, when you wake up? So I, 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 I do think this isn't an absolute. You know what we're finding? Is outside of divinely ordained absolutes, there really aren't that many. <laughs> and, as, and the murkier the world gets, the fewer of our self-imposed absolutes still apply. So, I mean, you're be, like I would argue in Mississippi— this didn't make your rundown, but this Cindy Hyde Smith, man, I, I can't get over. I'm, I'm going to talk to Daniel about this at the bottom of the hour. I can't get over enjoying this race, what they're doing to her and she's doing to herself. If you're in Mississippi, you're better off if she loses, guys. You're better off if she loses. The Republicans already have the majority in the Senate. What is what you want to you want to do pragmatic math? And, and lesser of two evil outcomes? Yes. Let's, then let's play. What is the lesser of two evils? A 53rd U.S. Senate seat that you will then give to an entrenched rhino that you will never beat in a primary, ever, ever, ever. The odds of that are slim, okay? Uh, and, and she can have that seat where she will screw you and tattoo you six ways until Sunday for, with, in, with, with your own uniform for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Or you just sit there and say, you know what? This is Mississippi, y'all. Screw her and the horse she rode in on. And we'll take our chances going up against the Democrat with an actual conservative here in six years. What's a less? What's the better lesser of two evils argument, guys? It's the latter. Yeah. Now, now, if we were if we were sitting here today and it was forty nine, forty nine, or it was fifty forty nine, either way, then this math may not necessarily apply if we're going to look at it this utilitarian. See where I'm going with yeah. this? Hey, in six but, years, it's still going to be the most important election of our lifetime. Yes, so count on it. Yeah. Yes, yes. But what's the difference if? if there's a, there's no difference between 52 or 53. None. Absolutely none. But if you're a Mississippi conservative, there's a hell of a lot of difference in what your life will look like in year seven, year eight, year nine of this transaction. If you let her go down in flames, then it will. If you put her entrenched in office where she will screw you with a 35 percent, she'll be the Lisa Murkowski of the South with a 35% liberty score, and you'll never get rid of her because of the entrenchment and power of incumbency. What's the better transaction for you as a Mississippi conservative? To me, I think 
since the majority isn't at stake. Because you could absolutely say, hey, you put up with her because the majority is at stake. And, you know, even if even if we are getting mediocre conservative judges that suck, at least they're not the communist. Right. Because I was OK with voting for Republicans for that reason two weeks ago. But now that the math is has been is in stone, why would I let this woman if I'm a Mississippi conservative? Why am I not? Why would I let this woman screw take the chance that, of her just screwing me on everything that matters to me as an as an entrenched incumbent for the next decade and a half, if not longer? Why would I do that? What, what, what am I getting out of it? Do you know? Lesser Just, of two evils. It's that's that's the only thing. Yeah, I'm getting. I get, I'm getting nothing out of this. I think hopefully you're getting the wisdom of why not to be a Republican. That's what I think <laughs> you're getting. But so, what did you get out of John Kasich being your governor? Because he vetoed the last heartbeat legislation they had up there as well. You got virtue signaling and a, um, a presidential campaign. Yeah, you gave him a platform to you know to to to, to virtue signal to the liberal media to audition to be the new John McCain. That, that's essentially what. That's what you did. So when all those conservative groups are fake conservative groups, and they all came to you in this last gubernatorial election and John Kasich doesn't win. The world ends and Ohio goes commie. Well, I mean, all you got out of it was a lousy T-shirt and you helped them book a bunch of MSNBC and CNN appearances. How was that vote? How'd that go over for you? Feel good? Would you feel good right now if you're an Ohio conservative? You feel good about that? The only question I have, and it indicates I don't feel good, is uh, what is uh, John Kasich's bishop saying publicly? I tweeted this out. If you could email us, too, because I'm curious. Well, Probably the same thing Nancy Pelosi's yeah. saying yeah. and John Kerry's was and saying. Stephen and Colbert. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Um, the female genital mutilation thing. That, that is just evil. Yes. And I want to make sure I wanted to give myself a second of a segue to make sure there, this is not this is no snark for this. This is this is this is bleak. This is spiritual darkness. This is this is hell going Kumo D, how you like me now. This is a federal these are these federal judges say that if 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 you have no right to not be compelled by government to use your private property, the job you have, the business you built, to defile your own religion. Your convent, if you're a nun, you pay for the killing of children. You have no right. You have no right to use your intellectual, personal property or your personhood to not be compelled by government to defile your religion. But this religion has a right to defile a woman's femininity? I, I don't, this isn't a nuanced argument. This isn't a one if. This isn't, this isn't a, well, you know, we gotta, we gotta look at the legal. No. There's no, this is not about the process or jurisdiction or any of that crap. And there's a time and a place to have those kinds of arguments, okay? This is not one of them. That's evil. That is flat out, in broad daylight, evil. That is hell in your face. Literally, and I don't say this flippantly. Literally hell in your face. Rubbing it in. Because it no longer believes anybody will do a dang thing about it. 
Tell me I'm wrong. If you are, if you start, if if you are in the uh, crowd, the thumb sucking crowd, that's a, there's a process here, and I don't agree with this, and because you know those are coming out probably, or maybe not, maybe they'll stay just stay in your lane, just judges. Stay, stay in your lane. Um, you know those are coming out, or maybe they'll just they'll just shut up this time. Uh, if you start from the premise, if you do start, I'm going to give you some advice for, for writing your, your columns at National Review and elsewhere, Weekly Standard, if you do write something about this. I'm going to give you some advice here. Um, if you start from any other premise other than this is evil, you're doing it wrong, and you've made an idol out of the court. I'm just saying. Just saying. I don't, I don't know if that's actually going to be, uh, that's probably going to fall on deaf ears. Uh, but if you start from any other premise other than what Steve just said, that this is an abomination and evil, you are part of the problem, you are the problem. Uh, a professor at George Mason University uh, I got into it with me a little bit on Twitter by pointing out, oh, you're, mis- you're totally misreading this. This is a conservative judge appointed by Reagan, and this is strictly a state's rights interpretation. So care to take back? And I, ba- I made the exact same point Steve did. And this goes to prove the point that when it comes to the Constitution and these rulings, ultimately nothing matters to these people That's but right. the will to power. Yes. yes, they will. They tried to go to the right of us on this one to get genital mutilation of little girls. Nothing matters but the power. Yeah, that that's. No person shall be denied life, liberty, or property without due process. Using your dominance to coerce somebody or or even to compel them against their will to uh, to mutilation isn't a time for states rights you know who makes those kinds of arguments confederates 1847 yeah. okay that's just wrong it's just what you're doing to those people is wrong and there's no, and 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 there is no nuance and there is no process other than that's wrong and it must be stopped, period. That's it. That's all there is. There isn't any more. There's no commas. There's no semicolons. There's no subsection A's and codicils B's. That's evil. And it must be stopped, period. Were we even following this case earlier this week? I think it was earlier this week. Maybe it was late last week when you brought up the example of what could the courts? It was earlier this week. It was on Monday. What could yeah. the courts do? Here could we they know. force, a, force us yep. to castrate ourselves? We weren't even aware of this. Case, I, would, I, I did not know. know about the case. And no. here we are. Yeah. And the left increasingly makes comments in academia, in journalism about having a discussion. They and they often say, and Steve's been on the. Well, I'm I'm not going to have a discussion with somebody who thinks that sort of thing. No, that, uh, that that's beneath me. And they make this increasingly just about every possible idea a conservative had. That's beneath it. That's caveman stuff. Yet here they are running to the defense of this. you got to really start to appreciate, ladies and gentlemen, what progressivism is in terms of its cultish willingness yes. to go to the depths of the of of the um, the logical conclusions of of what it thinks. You you keep we keep thinking because and I, of our our level of comfort and how we can now go and we're going to do it and God bless it. We're going to go do it this Thanksgiving weekend and immerse ourselves in all the blessings that we have. But we those we have those on a regular basis and we just refuse to believe that people will think and do the things that they think. And do, and it's coming like a freight train. And when do we reach that point, like 1770, with the shot heard round the world? 
It's right around the corner. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like. But we are an unstable people, and it's getting really dark out there. I, I believe in the constitutional scheme, process, federalism. Here's the thing, though, okay? Um, our founders didn't, didn't pledge their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor for federalism. They didn't play, pledge their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor for a constitutional scheme. They pledged it for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If you are forsaking life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness over your preferred nuanced process or view of federalism and the constitutional scheme, your priorities are out of whack. You have it wrong, brother. This is where you think the man was that man was made for the Sabbath, yes. not the Sabbath for man. Okay? You have it wrong. You have it totally wrong. The constant we're not here to protect the constitutional scheme. The constitutional scheme is here to protect us. Us. That's the you have it backwards. And if your view of constitutionalism is, well, you know, we can't really step in the way of, you know, uh, enslaving a bunch of Negroes, and we can't really step in the way of, you know, mutilating a bunch of young Muslim girls, if that's what you think, if you have it backwards. You're not worshiping the God who grants us our rights. Your particularly nuanced political ideology is your God, and you are guilty of the exact same idolatry— other side of the coin, Harvey Dent, of the progressives who would use the system to create all these new evils. Did I make that plain enough? I think so. Oh, by the way, stay in your lane. Because you clearly don't know a damn thing about right or wrong. Moving on. We're going to talk more about this on Monday. But the clip you played of Obama is why I believe likability is the number one issue that will determine the 2020 election. I'm going to lay it out a little bit more in detail with stats and numbers and stuff, okay? But I can tell you right now what's going to happen in the 2020 election, and it's going to come down to whether the Democrats nominate a likable candidate or not. Why? Because if they're likable, most Americans would be shocked to hear Barack Obama say those things. Stunned. Think of your Democrat Family members you're going to get to, or friends you may get together with this weekend to watch football with or, or break bread with, okay? If, if, you, show, if you told them, it, if, if you guys got into a political conversation, which I would, by the way, advise you not to because these politicians aren't worth it. But let's say it were to happen. And, and you said, hey, and you, you quoted Barack Obama saying those things. Would they believe it? Probably believe, not. No way they'd believe it. No way. No way. Because there's a likable persona there that cannot be penetrated. Once the likable persona is established, you can't, pen- you can't penetrate it with uh, sermons of heretical pastors. You can't penetrate it with Barack Obama mocking Bible followers and bitter clingers. Once the likable persona, and it works both ways, by the way, okay? I mean, I'm not drawing a moral equivalency, but this was one of the frustrations of Democrats when you and I were kids. They couldn't penetrate Reagan's likable persona. We're racking up record debt. You know what I'm saying? They, they wanted, they couldn't get their message through Reagan's persona. And Reagan's persona essentially put a barrier around their messaging and gave him free shots to get his, his, his narrative to the American people. So I'm not drawing a moral equivalency, but a situational one, okay? If they nominate a likable candidate, the kind of, 
what he articulates there is what the left actually believes. Mm-hmm. I promise you it's true. Yes. Now, I'm not saying I, I dislike Barack Obama any personally any more than I did yesterday because I didn't dislike him personally yesterday, and I knew this about him yesterday. I'm not shocked by this. I know this is what they think, and I've, I've got collections of clips of him saying things like this for years. But the problem is the likable persona, the cool guy that fills out his NSA tournament bracket, once that gets established, you will not penetrate it with clips like this. It, it, because likability is an, is, a, is an overwhelming obstacle to overcome in elections. Just ask Ted Cruz, Beta O'Rourke. Two weeks ago. Can I echo that point? Yes. Because uh, you're absolutely right. I, I've never thought intellectually uh, or intellectualism was really the power behind uh, Barack Obama, I, which is not – I'm not going, oh, Reagan was a dumb – I don't think Barack Obama is dumb. I'm just saying I don't think he's some intellectual super genius. Uh, I, I think – his the the guts of his politics. He's 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 Ocasio Cortez, that relentless pursuit. But whereas when she's if she would have said the same kind of thing, it, it would have been easily mockable for any number mm-hmm. of reasons. He he says it, and he is. He's look at he's just kind of laid back, crowds laughing, super cool. He, because he's, he is a cool guy, and, and he's just thinking off the top. He's yes. just kind of riffing. It just it's kind of jazz to him. He you could tell he was cute. Every moment, these long pauses, he's just kind of searching for exactly. He doesn't quite know what he thinks about it, but he knows where he's going, and he's not going to stop. And and, and he's and he's somehow, and some people have it, and Steve talks about it all the time about broadcasting and the power of your personality and how you have to temper it. And part of the reason is why we're here, so it's a conversation and not a lecture. But mm-hmm. it's it's all some people just have it, and he does just because. Have here's it. the truth, okay. If you weren't talking politics or worldview with him and talked 10 other guy subjects, you'd think this guy Brock's pretty cool. And, you know, I get it. I, I've run it. I, I used to get this with people when I used to appear on MSNBC all the time. You know, and I, when I went there for a job interview, when I spent time there at 30 Rock, people would come up to me. They were like, man, I've never really met a Christian like you before. Meaning they never met someone who was they that they thought they might relate to on a human level and what they didn't see as a construct. See, we we believe we have cultural marxists. We've done with cultural marxism what they've done with Christians. We have them labeled as straw men and constructs and forget that and and some of them are those stereotypes like if you went to a Berkeley faculty meeting for example even most of them are but if you go all and the some way, of them yeah. and some of the and some of the Christian stereotypes like if you watched three minutes of Jerry Falwell and any of his cable news appearances or Robert Jeffers for example those guys are just checking stereotype boxes for leftists for leftist humanities professors to pan Christians with okay so, so some of these stereotypes exist because there's truth to them but when you generalize the stereotype as as this is what everybody in this group is, you've created a straw man. And so what made me really effective on MSNBC was not my ability to eloquently articulate conservative viewpoints. It was that I knew as much about pop culture as they did, and I could speak their language. And so they didn't know how to debate a guy named Steve with different views. They were used to debating constructs, stereotypes of what a conservative is. That's what makes him so potent. He's a pretty cool cat, man, when you're not talking about this stuff. So that even even when he's throwing us under the bus, it still kind of looks a little Rico Suave in the way he leans back in his chair and has control. There's no this isn't Nancy Pelosi filling stereo. He you cannot straw man him. He's he's a he's better at it than you. 
So if they find someone who's that has that level of likability, they're in business because they won't. We you won't you won't get the opportunity to have a, a free shot at them one on one on on ideology. But if they nominate a Hillary Clinton or Kamala Harris or Cory Booker, those are caricature or Elizabeth Warren. Those caricatures are are so already defined that you now you do get to have the culture war conversation against those guys. See where I'm going with this? Yeah. All right. And I think and and so I, I think it don't straw man your opponents because they do it to you. If you want to beat your opponents, actually take them seriously when they're not doing so to you. Okay. One, they'll underestimate you on the one end because they, they'll, they'll think that if they've strawmanned you, they've already underestimated you, number one. But two, if you take them seriously, you've got the advantage on both ends. You've taken them seriously while they haven't done the same to you. And you actually know your ideas better than they know. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Christian cinema thing, uh, if, 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 if nature is right and gender's not binary— and by the way, the U.S. government is not defining gender by your genitals. That's a lie. That's not true. It's, they're defining it by the science of your chromosomes, which then determine your genitals. Okay? That, that argument is a red herring, uh, you know, not serious. But if gender isn't binary, how can anybody be bisexual? Because bi means what? Mm, two. Uh, two. So choose one. Either gender's fluid or you want bisexuality, but you can't have them both. Well, I mean, you could, but then you'd be a liar. Well, it's the latest craze sweeping the criminal underworld. It's called home title fraud. And and now that your home title is online and, and these guys don't have to, I guess some of them could be girls. Let's not be criminally misogynistic here. But now that these uh, criminals don't have to go to the county recorder's office and show some ID, um, do we still have to show ID for things in America anymore? I know we do for Sudafed. Yeah, not for voting. Voting is the, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, But uh, now that they don't have to go to the county recorder's office and show the ID and and then have to comb through mountains of records to get to the home deed they want to hijack, they can just go online and do it, forge your signature, and voila. Um, No, they're not going to make your mortgage payment for you. They're going to take advantage of the equity in your home. It's the biggest investment most Americans will ever make. It's their most valued asset other than their life insurance policy. So they're going to liquidate that equity. And when you go to get that home equity loan or that second mortgage or sell your house and it's gone and you're like, what happened? They took they thieved your home title. And, you know, I've got I belong to companies that help protect my identity, but that has nothing to do with go, what goes on with your home title. So you want to protect the the biggest investment the vast majority of Americans will ever make. Home Title Lock's going to help you do that. We'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title if they detect any sinister activity at all. They will act on it, and you never know. Your home title could be at risk right now. Uh, find out with their free title scan and report. That's a $100 value, free, to you at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Dot com. Daniel Horowitz joins us here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. He takes us inside politics from his perch there inside the command center of woe and lamentation at Conservative Review. How are you, Daniel? 
I'm doing all right. Happy Black Friday. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Was that racist? I, any, I, <laughs> oh, since boy. we're talking, since I went there with the fake racism, <laughs> what's happening to Cindy Hyde Smith in Mississippi, I have to just tell you, I shouldn't be enjoying this as much as I am. I think I should be enjoying it more. As a matter of fact, right? So we have the classic GOP Haley Barber swamp play. All right. Dis Chris McDaniel, who's when he, who's a, a, somebody that you are really tight with. Line up with a, guy, with a gal who I think became a Republican about 10 minutes after Trump did, right? I mean, she's been a Democrat literally pretty much her entire life. And now, you know, if she if she goes to a museum and poses with an artifact, she's con- she's she's posing with Confederate uh, replicas. Uh, she's a racist. She has to apologize and give back in, in a Mississippi Senate race. She's got to give back donations from somebody who may have criticized Islam once. Watching this transpire, you know, we've been talking more and more about. There really aren't too many absolutes in our culture anymore other than the ones that God has articulated. The lesser of two evils isn't a factor. Um, you can't be really dogmatic about a lot of things. So I voted straight ticket Republican in the last legislative election strictly because, even though I couldn't stand most of them, strictly because the Democrats clearly have made it known they want to end me. And I, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to create the, the the precedent that would happen with Brett Kavanaugh is how we will conduct business in the future. But but now that the numbers are set, and what's the difference between 52 or 53? If you're a conservative in Mississippi, why would you give this woman entrenched incumbency where she will screw you for the next 10, 15, 20 years? When you don't really need her vote, why wouldn't you just let her lose and just take on a Democrat in a state that's plus 40 Republican six years from now? Why wouldn't that be the, the more strategic play, Daniel? Well, that's the thing, Steve. You look just next door in Alabama, and you know we— Lost that race there with all the crazy circumstances with Roy Moore. And he got Doug Jones in there, but he's up this cycle. I mean, this cycle is, is already upon us in 2020. And it looks like almost for sure Jeff Sessions is going to step back in, win that seat pretty much the, the moment he announces he'll win it by 40 points. So um, I, I agree. Look, I agree with you. But here's the thing. I'll be called all sorts of names for, oh, you're allowing the Democrats to win. The reality is these guys are allowing the Democrats mm-hmm. to win. So. We were told that our candidates can't win. Now, some of it's self-fulfilling because no matter how um, impressive the guy is, and not all our candidates are impressive, it's hit or miss with recruitment as with everything, uh, they will sabotage the guy. Whereas our people will always dutifully go along with what they want to do. So like you said, this person was a Democrat till so late in her life. And I'm not talking about like in the 90s. I'm talking about well after the realignment of the South was complete. She had to swear on a Bible that she didn't vote for Hillary Clinton uh, last time around. <laughs> um, so and, and also evidently she demanded that no uh, reporters would be at the debate with this no name Democrat because evidently she knows less about policy than um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or anyone else. She knows nothing. And now she has become the biggest gaff machine around. So – no matter what, you're a racist. No matter what, you're a gaff machine, although I think this one in particular is. So, hey, buddies, go eat it. But, Steve, I do want to make one other point that as much as I'm laughing at Cindy Hyde-Smith, I do think there's one serious point to be made here. Uh, Walmart and so- several other companies are now divesting from her and uh, taking back donations and everything. This just brings up a broader point. I know Todd has talked about this a lot. Isn't it time – 
we just sat back and allowed Bernie and the crew coming in to give them a $50 minimum wage, cap and trade, and raise their taxes to force them to pick a side. Yeah. Because I'm meaning, meaning of, why why yeah. are why are we giving corporate America the economic incentives it wants from the guys we elect in exchange for them imposing cultural Marxism on us? What the hell kind of trade is that, right? Is that what you're saying? I, I don't know the yeah, I don't know the name of the enforcer for Wayne Gretzky. I know this is your I know this is your love language, Todd, is what he's talking about. Yeah. This I'm is what you were this I'm, is this is what you were debating Eric Bowling about correct. on our roundtable last week. Eric. So go ahead, yeah. Daniel. Finish your point. No, no, I mean in hockey you have the big punk enforcers. So Wayne Gretzky, in order to be successful in his career, he needed a big burly enforcer. Mm -hmm. Big business is the hockey enforcer for the cultural Marxism. They are the enforcers of it. See, you know, if you they always had media. They always had academia. They had entertainment really since after the 40s or 50s. They had every cultural institution in this country, and yet they didn't really turn a corner. It was a very slow ratchet until this past generation when they got big business, promoting endless Middle East migration, promoting open borders, promoting the homosexual agenda, and then even on economic issues and liberties, promoting gun control, promoting Obamacare promoting all sorts of venture socialist Walmart threatened Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson a few years ago on the Riffer bill, remember? For the, oh, forcing yeah. him to water it down, or they said they were out of the yeah. state. Do you remember that? Yeah. So yeah. what we've done is the worst possible mix. We've gotten jack squat from Republicans over the last generation, except for tax cuts, except for holding the status quo on not allowing Dems to go further on certain regulations – and uh, that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. And what that has allowed them to do is it enabled them, it shielded them, shielded them from the immediate pain of the Democrats. And you know, especially because a lot of the Democrats, you know, they get all their money from Wall Street. Um, that's where they get it from. But there's a growing crop that's more altruistic that generally wants to burn down capitalism. Yep. So you know what? At some point, isn't the strategy just to step back and like, hey? I'm not going to cede a hundred pol policy issues. And by the way, these pieces of ethanol are now working on um, jailbreak, dismantling Reagan's legacy, Soros's anarchist legacy. They are all behind this. You know what? Go eat it, buddies. Go eat. All you're all you're telling them to do is yeah. to live by a free market. You know, if they oh, yeah. th that we are giving them a protection racket. We are telling them we yep. will protect them from the Democrats' regulatory state, and in exchange, they get to then impose the Democrats' moral agenda on the rest of America. That that's exactly that's what we're telling them. We, that we're giving them an excuse where they get to fund both sides, which is ultimately what they want to do. That's why you're saying make them choose a side. Which side are they on? Right. And otherwise, vacate the public square altogether. Then if you don't want to get involved in the culture war and things of that nature, then stop giving anybody money, which I think we'd be fine with that, too. But but we're letting them have it both ways. We're, we're letting them um, placate the Democrats by donating to all their cultural Marxist uh, causes. At the same time, we're giving them massive tax breaks, corporate welfare incentives, guaranteed customer bases and everything. That's kind of what you were talking with bowling about last week. Yeah. And, and that's why it, and that's why it's not the same. And this is what I was trying to get Eric to see. This isn't we're not dealing with Lee Iacocca's anymore. Huh. All right. That, that ship has sailed. I mean, you're, you're dealing with, um, you know, you're dealing with essentially a key fundraising mechanism for American progressivism. Back to my previous point, though. 
Tell me why you're not better off as a Mississippi conservative if Cindy Hyde-Smith loses. I, I can see why if it was 50-49, one way or the other, then you bite the bullet because the if even if one out of five judges Trump puts on the federal bench is is good, that's still better than you'd get from anything the Democrats would do, right? So I get why you'd put up with her in that scenario. What's the difference between 50? Why create the South's Lisa Murkowski for a 53rd Senate seat? Why does that make any sense, Daniel, at all? I mean, the only thing I can give you is that maybe she's not quite as bad as that, and she would at least vote for the judges. And as you well know, the judges is all that matters. We have all these lovely conservative judges. So I would say that because we don't have a movement and we're comatose and we're not going to focus on getting a conservative in in whatever it is four or six years from now anyway with the next time it's in cycle. So heck, you may as well not have a Democrat this time um, because it's not like we're ever going to be, be in a place where we have an apparatus on the ground to get one of our guys in. I mean, this is this is the problem. Um, we lose every single primary. And, and by the way, another thing is Trump. You know, whoever is in the White House telling him, oh, you don't want to bungle a, a Senate seat there. Make sure you endorse her. I mean, you know, Steve, Chris McDaniel lost this race because of one reason. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Yep. No doubt. I mean, this is the same guy that took on a sitting U.S. senator in the last primary and, and beat him in a statewide election, just didn't get enough for, uh, to, to avoid a runoff. I mean, he, had, he went from winning, winning a statewide election against a sitting U.S. senator, what did he get, 15%? Something like that? He got, got trounced. He, he didn't have less name ID, so what happened? Trump happened. That's what happened. Yep. Now, you mentioned, so we can get better judges. In the last week, we've seen a Trump-appointed judge, uh, I, the wry smile, he's been waiting. This is, the, this is what he got into the batter's box for, was this question. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay? Now, now, um, now, now he's choking up on the bat. All right, this is the pitch he was waiting for right here. Yeah. All right, so let me get I'll, – I'll set it up quickly and just get out of the way and let you swing away. All right? We, in the last week, we've seen a Trump-appointed judge say you have a constitutional right to a press pass. Okay? And yesterday we saw a Reagan-appointed judge say you can't – uh, you're not free of government compelling you to use your person. In the case of a nun, you got to pay for a, an abortion. Or if you're a baker or florist, you you can't avoid the, the, having a government compel you to use your intellectual or economic property to defile your religion. But we can l- allow someone's religion to defile a, a, a woman's femininity. Okay, these are both Republican appointed judges who I, I'm, I'm shocked they didn't listen to David French's plea to stay in their lane. Daniel, your thoughts. You see, there's a fundamental First Amendment right for a Somali Muslim to immigrate to the country. There's a fundamental First Amendment right for the entire Latin America to come to America. There's a fundamental First Amendment right to cut someone else's balls or the female equivalent of it off. And actually have taxpayers pay for it in the military. That was also another Republican judge you forgot about in mm-hmm. Maryland, too. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one in my neck of the woods that said that. But there is no um, First Amendment right to merely sit with your own property under your own uh, grape you know, vineyard and, uh, and day tree and not violate your conscience. Steve, I mean, I'm just laughing here. See— just before we went on the air, 
so what happened this week? All this stuff happened. Um, a lower court judge struck down, struck down as if there's there's a veto, uh, the Mississippi's abortion law. And everyone's wondering, well, what happened to the Supreme Court? I mean, didn't we, you know, we fulfilled the 50 year dream of the Federalist Society and we elected, we we nominated, we we confirmed a majority Supreme Court that's conservative. You know, where are they? What's happening? John Roberts, in an unprecedented move, rebuked Trump for criticizing the independent judiciary. He will not criticize any of these lower court judges. And here, here's what we need to understand about conservative judges. See, it's not just that we live in judicial North Korea where the courts decide everything. Mm-hmm. They, there is nothing they can't do, nothing, and I mean nothing, that they cannot do. But it's that they view the Constitution and fundamental rights 180 degrees the opposite. Mm-hmm. Rights are negative, freedom from. They have – they rejected that, and you don't have the freedom from, but they replaced it with legal positivism. I have a right to a visa. I have a right to a press badge. I have a right to a marriage license. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where we're – that's where I have a right to 30 days of early voting. So this is where the left is at. The conservative judges – have fundamentally accepted that entire baseline. They might not expand upon it, but in terms of the bastardized rules of standing and the ruling on the merits of the contours of what is a fundamental right, they have agreed to it. So what happens is if a lower court judge would be conservative and say, Obergefell, Baker v. Carr, Roe v. Wade, Plyler v. Doe is garbage, the Supreme Court would like, you know, all the people in Depends there would walk off the bench. And travel to that lower court judge and strangle them personally. Here, when you have a liberal judge that defies precedent, Trump v. Hawaii, the travel ban case, judges just nullified it. They said 212F gives the president authority to to shut down any form of immigration, whether you like it or not. They're like, screw that. And they violate all legal norms. Let me give you an example. In Oregon, a federal judge gave standing to a group of teenagers to sue the weather to sue government for not turning down God's thermostat, and if they don't do it, they're going to mandate regulations upon the government. Everyone agrees it violates every legal norm, and they went to the Supreme Court, and John Roberts was like, well, you know, you're going to get ample time at to hear your case out in the Ninth Circuit, your appeal, even though they went to the Ninth Circuit twice, and of course they laughed in their face. Thomas dissented. He's like, we would have taken this up. That is the difference between Clarence Thomas and mm-hmm. almost the rest of them. There are there, there is no such thing as a cadre of Federalist Society Clarence Thomases waiting to be confirmed. They're just not. They have fundamentally accepted that. And I will meaning tell people you that here, will undo yes. the bad stuff the left has already yes. done. That's what you're talking about. Yes, but, but, yes, but it's worse than that. Even the new radical stuff that was never dreamt of in terms of rules of standing, in terms of violating. They won't use they will not use the power the Constitution gives them to confront or undo this and and, and call that restraint while the other side makes up authority. It doesn't have to impose it on us defenseless. That's essentially what you're saying. It's a it's it's a route every single time. It's 100 to nothing every time we play. Heads they win, tails they win. It's a one-way street. It's a dead end. The lower courts go wide. The Supreme Court goes narrow. Um, They come back for more. But the writers at the Weekly Standard and National Review feel real bad about it, so that's okay. See, I have spent years watching every hour. My thesis is proven correct. 
every hour. You, you literally know, would just, joke for two years on this show, hey, what are we going to do when they mandate castrations? They, <laughs> they just did that in Michigan for women. Uh, literally, as we were talking yeah. about that, they, yeah. they did that. And, and by the way, my book is outdated now. The stuff I predicted, I mean, it's underwhelming. We're doing it, and there's no reaction. And and here's the thing. You know, the 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 Supreme Court regards themselves as supreme over the other two branches. But though they won't freaking be supreme over their own very inferior courts. So, you know, we have this perfect screwball where the lower courts – see, in the legal culture, you could do anything. You can never be too progressive. So – most cases don't go to the Supreme Court. It takes forever to do it. There's often irreparable damage because the administration backs down and gives in to them, so we never get an airing. But even when we get a categorical ruling in Trump v. Hawaii, they come back with a thousand different angles, and Clarence Thomas is like, didn't we just slap, deal with this? Like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. And there's one other important dynamic to this, Steve. A lot of people were saying that that Kavanaugh and those like him, man, these guys, they're going to stick it to the left. And I, we said it's just the opposite. I think that was playing with Judge Timothy Kelly in the press badge case. He wants to show right. that he's independent. Hey, man, have a great Thanksgiving. We got to go. We'll see you next week. All right. Hour two is next. with hour two here live on the blaze on demand at CRTV. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace show. A last name is spelled D E A C E. If you are listening, by the way, to the podcast edition today on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, etc. If you've got time today to leave us one of those five star reviews, we would greatly appreciate it. And you might be like, uh, Steve, I, I think your show is pretty terrible and you might be right about that. So don't lie. You know, don't put a five-star review there if you don't really believe it. But, you know, maybe don't put anything. You know, just keep it to yourself, you know, because it might hurt our feelings. But if you do like how we do things around here, those five-star reviews, the more they pile up, the more people tend to check us out. Same thing if you could click that subscribe button today. Uh, The more people that see the subscriber base growing, the more they're inclined to jump on the bandwagon as well. And thank you to all of you that have done both of those two things. All right, let's get to it. It is time for Buy, Sell, or Hold each week on the program. Our producer, Aaron, is supposed to put out a series of provocative statements, but essentially he expects you to put out in his place. Yep. And he will then uh, utilize as many of these statements from the audience as possible in the hopes they will take up the entire lot of time so he doesn't have to do any more work. Do I have that correct? And I get to keep my job, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd and I will then decide, are we buying that statement? Are we selling it? And once per show, and hopefully we have like one, one, at least one good reason why, um, at least once per show, or only once per show, I, sh- I should say, you are permitted to hold. And it, if it's for any reason other than the complete and total lameness of the proposition you're being asked to address being beneath your dignity, then you will be, according to the due code, mercilessly mocked, and pilloried for refusing to take a stand and punking out. Correct? Correct. All right. Can I begin with the first one? I don't think I've ever sure. done this before. Sure. All right. Because I, 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 you were telling me during the top of the hour break, a lot of the ones that our listeners and viewers have sent are Thanksgiving related. Yep. Okay. This is a major controversy in our home Thanksgiving wise. And my mom is just appalled at this. Like, 
I don't know that there's, and I've done some, I've done some stuff worthy of admonishment and her disappointment in the course of my 45 years. But I don't know that I've ever seen her as just disappointed, like I failed as a parent, than over this, this Thanksgiving request I have every year. Okay? Buy, sell, or hold stovetop stuffing for Thanksgiving. Buy. I got a hold. I can't eat the stuff. Okay. Well, then that's a le- yeah. okay. That's not that's what I mean. Right, that's a good point. Buy, sell, or hold. I'm a. I am. I am. I have disappointed the Thanksgiving tradition by insisting we have stovetop oh. at the dinner table. Like, oh. You mean instead of like stuffing so. the bird? But no, and- no. Here's the thing. I'm okay if everybody else likes the stuffing because the way my mom made it growing up, man, it was you know. Uh, some oysters here, some celery here, an eye of bat, <laughs> dash of newt. Okay, we're just grabbing stuff. Hey, kid, grab those leaves out of the yard. I mean, we're just grabbing stuff. All right, my, my mom was a great cook, but I just, I'm like, I have lived in this house all year long. I don't know what you're putting in that right now. I mean, <laughs> things I didn't know were in the cabinet. All right, would just go in this, and I'm like, no. You know what? Just give me this. I want the sage. I want the breading. You know what I'm saying? I want like four ingredients. Same thing with my pizza. I want pepperoni, sausage, cheese. Maybe bacon, thanks. I don't want a fun guy. I don't want to I don't want to I don't want a boring guy. I don't want something planted, all right? I, I want it simple. And and so I would look at, you know, see what this does. I mean, my mom would have this like crazy mad scientist look on her face making the stuffing growing up and I'm like what did I just bite into? So no, just give me the stovetop. So like Amy's parents, they moved here a few years ago to be close to the kids, right? Because Amy's an only child. So these are their only grandkids. And her mom likes the traditional homemade stuffing and everything. I'm like, I'm not like militant. Like, don't put that at my table. But for me and my house, my this temple right here, this glorious temple that you are feasting on right now, America. All right. <laughs> That's what he really wanted to say. Yeah. That's the only give reason. Give me the stovetop. Because I know what's in it, okay? So my mom is, like, offended, like, morally. At first, she she got on my wife because she was like, why are you not cooking my boy a real Thanksgiving dinner? Like, she was, like, all up in her and, – and, and she was – Amy was like, hey, man, <laughs> I want to cook this. He don't, he won't let me. He wants I have st- to live with him. <laughs> yeah, it's not, he, wants, he wants freaking stovetop. All right, so that's the that's the that's the that's the context of this buy seller hold. Yeah, I, I I would sell that you're ruining any Saint Thanksgiving traditions. In fact, that was the subject of one of the uh, suggestions that our listeners uh, sent us. Except I don't think it actually made it into the lineup. So you uh, you got it. Okay, I wanted to settle that. I absolutely buy it. Now, stuffing is one of the because you you have expectations about Thanksgiving, and we're sure we're going to get to a lot of them. But that's one where you can riff a little bit, mm-hmm. and you be like, um, and another. But I this is akin to me with uh, cranberry sauce. If you've ever had a fantastic, really good homemade uh, ch- big chunks of cranberry sauce, awesome. But if you pull out that can pull out the Turner thing that pulls off the tin top and pour out that that gelatin mold, that's, that's also beautiful as well. I'll have both. Mm. Okay. You ready? All right, we're ready. Thank I'll... you. Hey, by the way, thank you guys. I mean, I, I needed that. Sure, yeah. That, that was a slump buster right there because yeah. this is like, a, this is a call my wife dreads every year <laughs> is when mom's like, what are y'all having for Thanksgiving? Thinking, 
she's like selling out or something by cooking the stovetop. But I love it. That's what I prefer. Thank you. All right, Aaron, go ahead. All right. First up is Jim Osmond. Green bean casserole is satanic abomination and has no place at a meal intended to memorialize thankfulness to almighty God. Had me at satanic abomination. Didn't even get to the end of the statement. Bye. You're both buying? The word for the day is exorcism sell. No, green bean casserole is outstanding. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Outstanding. It's one of those things everybody thinks they have to make. Who actually likes this? Who Says likes it? the guy who I just backed up on a box of breadcrumbs? Come on. <laughs> Good grief. Jim, uh, <laughs> Jim uh, thank you for saying Somehow this is anathema to the guy. Ron, who we yeah, don't, but no further. Ron, who we don't allow to uh, talk, says he likes green bean, uh, green bean casserole too. All right, my wife loves it. My mom loved it. Uh, my youngest daughter Zoe loves it. Now, here's why I I tolerate it. And you're right. You know what? That I just committed a dude code violation. You backed me up on an absolute white trash delicacy just a second ago. That's my bad, bro. Okay, I. <laughs> I did. I should. You, you did me a solid. You backed me up on a white trash delicacy, otherwise known as, as stovetop, and then I just totally threw you under the bus there. So that's my bad. Okay, my bad. Accepted. I'm, I'm wrong. My bust. My, here's why I, I love though the women in my life making it is one of the things I've not told you yet about me, guys. You know I am America's self-appointed uniforms are, sure. for example. All right, and I and I am the self-appointed. Um, a uh, connoisseur of of white trash America, right? Okay. You're the ugly American. I am the ugly American. Yes, self bestowed. Um, I also am a, uh, a self uh, self ordained. I got. I went on to one of those websites and got my ordination. Cool. I am your official onion ring connoisseur. Okay. Uh, and and not like the stringy ones. Those aren't onion rings to me. There's like onion straws. I'm it, if it's stringy. Um, uh, an onion ring. What's the second word there, by the way? Ring. Ring. Straw, ring. ring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Vintage so if you send McIntyre. me a plate, if you send me a plate with straws, that they might still be good, by the way, but they're onion straws. Chili's used to have great onion rings. Took the kids there a few months ago for dinner, and and we were all like, gotta get the onion rings. And the waitress was like, well, we just substituted for our onion straws, and I think they're just as good. No, they're not. First of all, that's not a substitute. That's a wholly different shape and therefore a different food. You didn't substitute. You changed. Did she keep trying okay. to talk to you? Go, no, no. <laughs> yes. No, but, but you really, you got that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So when, I'm, when I say onion ring, the, the word ring it's like it's 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 it matters here. All right. Words matter. It's gotta be a ring. All right. One ring to rule them all. Yes. However, the the so like the, the crumbs are are kind of a derivative of it in a way. And so what my mom what it would always happen is my mom would use that for the for the because that's always like the coating of the green bay casserole. Yes. And then I would get the rest of the can. And so that's the only way I was that that's that's why even though I can't stand how it tastes. I am happy to see it get made because it does mean I get those little onion crispy things I like, which nice. is again another so it's white about, trash delicacy. So it's about you. Well, I, yeah, got it. Absent virtue, self interest <laughs> remains. Yes. So no virtue. It's Thanksgiving. What are you talking about, virtue? 
Uh, Caleb Hammer says steak is an acceptable and preferred substitute to turkey when the weather allows for comfortable grilling on Thanksgiving. I, I, the premise of this statement is that there it has to be one or the other, so I'm selling for that purpose. Yeah, I, I kind of think I'm going to buy, and I'm a turkey guy, and I love traditional, okay? But I, I kind of feel, well, I think I, I, I just admitted to one dude code violation a moment ago, and I kind of feel like, denying steak in, in essentially any context whatsoever yeah todd is another dude code violation and i i, I mean two when you commit compound dude code violations that that is when the scourging uh reg, that's when the scourging clause automatically kicks in so just to play it safe right now i kind of feel as if i got a side with the steak because I'm on, I'm on really shaky ground here from a dude code standpoint. So I got to buy this. If you're just a dude eating and you're gonna treat yourself, you got to go with a steak. Maybe your other, you do whatever you want to. I'll, if you are the host of a Thanksgiving meal, and this is what I talked about before, there's certain locked in expectations about Thanksgiving, and some areas you can riff on. There, there has to be a turkey. Now, within a turkey, Steve's talked about it, I think, two years ago. You can deep fry it, which you've done. Mm-hmm. You can do all kinds of different uh, uh, glazes and seasonings. You can stuff it differently. But there has to be. If you are the host of a large family meal, has to be a turkey. See, I just, you, again, the premise is, there. It, does it have to be one or the other? Why not do both? If well, you if you also it, have you a plate it. of steak, no one's going to say, well, that's unacceptable. If the, uh, but if you just serve up even really good steaks and there is no turkey, that that can't happen. Hmm. He does make a strong argument for tradition he there. Does. Yes. Uh, Chuck Gregory says, leftovers from Thanksgiving acceptable to consume until Sunday. Starting Monday, you have to move on to other foods. I think that, well, Steve doesn't. You, Don't you he, have to eat turkey within like a certain well, amount of time? You, I, I'm, Steve you, won't, d- doesn't do. He, he you can't answer this. He does not do leftovers. Yeah, I, I, in general, leftovers are a sell to me. Now you know, like turkey is a fresh meat. Is it still a leftover to you, like Thursday night? No. Okay. No. But I mean, Friday. But like a, 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 yeah. a, a yeah. overnight. Friday See? Night. See, look, it's, it's like. I See? love this. Oh. <laughs> I love this phobia about you. It's fantastic. I, I can't. You know. You know what? It comes. We we had we kept leftovers. My Dave was such a cheapskate man. I mean, we he would wash paper plates, guys. No, I'm not kidding. Okay, and I mean, we had leftovers. I'd come home from school and open the fridge, and I, I and they would always be in the damn butter dishes. You know. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to make some toast or something, you know, or I go to grab some butter and inside of it was like, you know, last Easter's ham. Okay. (laughs) And it just vomitous. That happens so many times that I just, I I can't even with leftovers. We can't, I can't. Okay. When Amy's parents used to come stay with us and they're probably watching, Mary's probably watching right now. My mother-in-law, God bless her. But Amy and I used to joke, we'd wait, we, we'd we be really sad when they would leave because we were all really close. But then, like, when we were confident they were gone, <laughs> Amy and I would, like, just completely empty out the refrigerator because Mary would just keep everything, you know? And we're like, no. This is your we, kryptonite. We, <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we don't, no. No, we don't do that. Two-day-old tuna salad and Steve's, like, just. Like, <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> I cannot, man. And Dave used to mock me for this so bad. I remember one year, and I was like 10 years old, 
And I'd been complaining, you know, I'm hungry. And I just come, we were living in Florida. I'm playing outside with my friends. And I come in the house, I'm complaining. There's nothing to eat. And he's like, all right, man, hey, I, I, I found something in the freezer for you. You know what? I'm like, yeah, I'm starving. And he opened it up. This was like July in Orlando, Florida. And he opened up and he shoved it right in my face. And it was the it was for, it was turkey from last Thanksgiving. Oh my. Okay. So I I I can't. It it is it's scarred me. I, and it, now if it's if it's a meat that I personally witnessed cooking, okay, then it is acceptable to have some like the day after. Or maybe like if it's a really well done like a glazed ham or something like that, a couple of days after. But like anything else that's not like a meat I personally witnessed being like, you know, uh, a tuna salad, as you said. Oh, no. Those things don't. Those things are not mm-hmm. in our home. No. So for most people, though, I do think Sunday is the border. I mean, do your work. That's Within that weekend and after yeah. that, it's time. Then it is time to move on to Christmas. Yeah, and if you've got a whole family as well and you're not uh, done with your leftovers by Sunday, something's, something's wrong. Uh, you, you all need to eat more. Uh, Reality Chaser says the last piece of pecan pie on Thanksgiving is worth losing family members over. Bye. Now, see, this is tough, and here's why. Because can I say something weird? Too late. Um, Did you ever think Pizza Hut pizza tasted better when you went to the restaurant than you had it delivered to your house? Do you ever feel like that? Because the whole air smells like pizza. Yeah, there, it, like, I, like at the restaurant, I always thought it was great when I was a kid. And when I when I get it delivered, it's like not as good. I don't know. Maybe okay. it's just me. Okay. Where does this tie into? Just trust me. Time? Did you ever feel like when you'd come in before we had your? Because our parents would never buy bottled water. You know, I mean, you you drank out of a tap, and and that was the expectation. Okay. So, do you ever feel like there were when you came in playing ball with the with your friends in the summertime, some of the faucets in your home, the water was colder than others? Do you feel like that too sometimes? Just don't make me answer these questions. Go on. I'm not going to be I don't know where this is going and I'm, I'm not going to be tied I'm, to it in any way shape I'm or form. I'm strangely scared right now. <laughs> He's like, it would be really funny as you're if you're my wingman on the box of breadcrumbs, man. I need you now. I'm like, I'm, I'm like a limb. Like me, my my roommate's dog that I dog Todd's like, all I'm the out time. of empathy. I'm out. She she just the, the puppy. She just kind of rolls over on the ground. She's not really sure. I'm not a threat. You know, it would be hilarious is if I would have just stopped right there and said, okay. None of that matters. I'm just curious. And then moved on. Yeah. <laughs> I still think that is where this is going. But it actually is leading somewhere. Okay. <laughs> really? It's just very, very uh, convoluted. Um, here's the thing with pecan. Is it pecan or pecan? Because I've heard it both ways. I kind of go pecan. Uh, let's see. I think I go pecan. All right. Here's the thing. It, it, it's one of those things that when it's done well, yes, this is a buy. It is worth losing a family relationship when it's done well. But it, to me, my experience with it is it's done well or why the hell are we having yeah. this? Like you can have an okay piece of pumpkin pie. You know what I'm saying? Like you can remember a great piece of pumpkin pie. Can you remember having a bad piece of pumpkin pie? I don't. I, I don't think I do. I, you know, but can you remember having a bad piece of pecan pie? Well, this well, explains why I didn't even know what pecan pie was until I was like, I was well into adulthood before I think I, because it wasn't a 
part of our yeah. tradition. And when I finally had the good stuff, I was like, oh, man, I, I bow before thee. My, yeah, mom, yeah, she, my I, mom makes these. It's not necessarily pecan pie, but it's pecan pie bars. So it's oh, just, oh, yeah. it's. Yeah. it's Mary, yeah. uh, my mother-in-law, would, has this sweet potato casserole. And the coating is, it, it, oh, yeah, she can call it whatever she wants, but it's essentially pecan pie filling is what the coating is. And so the battle at our dinner table every year is who gets the last yeah. scoop of the top of the yeah. yams with the pecan pie filling. Mm. And so to me, pecan pie is a very high variance. It's kind of like, you know, I'm wearing this Michigan shirt today. All right. So like, I don't think Michigan will win by like the spread right now is four. How many tangents are, are we going like, down I don't, with I don't, this I don't, I don't think Michigan will win a close game. Like I think Michigan goes in there and and extracts 15 years of frustration and wins by a a touchdown or more. If it's so to me, if you think the spread is too high, then you're gonna you should pick Ohio State to win the game. Like I don't I don't think Michigan's gonna win on a last second kick. Because here's what happens when you haven't beaten a team in 15 years or only one time, and and you're up and you're a favorite and you're up by three at the end, you start looking at your you start looking at your oh crap this is how they, they do this to us every time. Is this still going somewhere? Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to make a metaphor for high variance. Pecan pie is high variance. When it's done right, it is oh so right and worth losing that ant you don't like anyway over. But it's not ever just okay, you know? And so I, I, I need more clear I need more information on this question. No, no, this is this is the premise of buy, sell, or hold. You gotta make some. All right, tough then I'm gonna sell or hold. I'm gonna sell because you don't tell me if it's the if it's a really good piece or if that's a bad family member. And pecan pie, as much as I love it, is so high variance that I don't think I can just say as an absolute it's worth losing somebody over. So I'm gonna sell. Well, I'm also gonna sell and tune in next time when we talk about mashed potatoes and gravy, and that gives Steve license to talk about the rapture. Ah, uh, David Evans Martinez, NBA on Christmas Day is more entertaining than NFL on Thanksgiving. I only have one thing to say. David, who hurt you? Yes. I, I'm glad you asked. Somebody, do you need a hug? Are you okay? Yeah. That's, that, I don't understand. You understand this is not the Stephen A. Smith show, correct? Do you understand who you're sending this to, David? Are we being trolled? I, is this I, for real? I don't know. Now, come on, man. Come on. Un, there is no day that NBA basketball is better than the NFL. And I love basketball, but there's no day that that's true. Number two, if the NBA was smart, they'd start the season on Christmas Day and oh, no own kidding. that day, all right? I have and, no idea what the record of anybody in the NBA is And right nobody now. else does. And, there's, and, and nobody cares who the – it's not like baseball where people remember who led the American League in batting in 2004. Nobody knows who led the NBA in rebounding last year, all right? We don't need 82 games – and, you know, just have fewer games and just charge more for them. Make it more of a premium, but have fewer games. Make don't. Wh- why did we need the NBA to start in mid-October? Does anybody know? Does anybody know why it needed to start in mid-October? Start the season on Christmas Day. Make that the launch event so that you own it the way the NFL. Own, the only thing my Lions have ever done right, ever. Is they is the owning is the is they created the tradition of linking football to Thanksgiving and now th- and now football owns that day. The NBA should claim and, Christmas Day. And I I get that the NBA is a far different sport as far as the physical toll that that the NFL is. Even yeah, start it later. Even make the sh- seasons a little bit shorter so that there's more riding on each game. Uh, you know, I think that would that would behoove them. I agree, I agree. So I got to sell. Your premise is flawed, brother. Oh, hard sell. 
Uh, let's see. Major Ogilvy says, for the best Thanksgiving experience, eat together as a family, never talk politics, and make sure dinner is served during the Lions game. First of all, Major Ogilvy, is that like an old school Alabama football reference there? Maybe. I'm impressed. And if it is, you should be impressed that I know who you're referencing because I am your college football idiot savant. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's, that, that's a buy. Because I know here's the thing. There's a misnomer that my Lions always win on Thanksgiving. It's actually not true. They've actually won five of the last six. Prior to that, they hadn't won in like nine years. They're actually under 500 all time on Thanksgiving Day. And because they're, the Lions are about to be, do something that's never been done in NFL history. Four years in a row go either seven and nine or nine and seven. See, that's the thing. That's what. That's why they never get really good because they don't really they except win for the year, stupid games. Yes, that puts them out of draft stock of the really good people. Yes, or draft position. Yes, that's why I was ecstatic the year we went zero and sixteen. In the next two years, we draft Stafford and Adamic and Sue. Now we're building something. We're always like six and ten, seven and nine, eight and eight, and so we're picking like sixteenth. We can't ever get out of this black hole, this vortex. Okay, and so. It's best to not risk it with my Lions and just plan dinner for during the Lions game. Because if they are good, like a couple of years ago, we played the Vikings oh, for yeah. essentially the division yeah. title on Thanksgiving yeah. Day. And that was really a good game. And it came down to a field goal at the end of the game. Here's the cool thing with today's DVRs. If you're, if you're in luck and my Lions are having a decent year and the game is good, you can just pause it, have dinner, and finish it afterwards. But you, that way you don't rely on the Lions to provide you the entertainment that, you know what I'm saying? You make them an accoutrement. That would be my recommendation. I I agree with everything you said, as I do on all Lions questions. I cede all levels of analysis to him. He's uh, he's suffered at this uh, <laughs> at this professor right, gotta, for gotta, a we, long we gotta, time. We got to tell this it's story. Sad, really, we we got to tell this story. Okay, so here, here you used to doubt this as a Packers fan and thought this was typical fan whiny lament stuff, right? Yes. And so this was early when you came to work for me a few years ago. It was the radio show. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're at night because oh, Salem, Salem has us on from 9 p.m. to midnight. And the Lions are playing the Packers yes. on a Monday night football game while we're on the air. Yes. And I looked at you. The Lions are ahead in the game. And this wasn't like before the last play. I looked at you when there was still like four minutes left in the game. And I told you what's going to happen here is the Lions won't be able to run out the clock. They will give the ball back to Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers will heave it all the way down the field for a Hail Mary. And you'll win on the last play of the game. Yes. And the thing was, I said it in this tone of voice, right? Yeah. I wasn't like, oh, no, we're going to suck. I, you know, it wasn't, we're all like this about our favorite team. Yeah. Like, woe is me. No, I, it was cold-blooded analysis. Like, like I was breaking down a, yeah. you know, a pole. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this wasn't, you know, I just, I just told you flat out how this game, and it was like four minutes left. Yeah. And I told you flat out how the game was going to end. How yeah. did it end? It did. Exactly like that. And that's, this has happened twice. You forget, it also happened the time when, well, I can't remember who they played, when Calvin Johnson, didn't he fumble on the one-inch yes, line? Yes, yes. The same yes. thing happened. Yes, and it wasn't, again, I wasn't just, no. because I'm, I do that with Michigan. I'll come up with crazy scenarios to emotionally insulate. no. This is just that's a different fandom. Yeah, yeah, yes, because I have an expectation something good could happen. With this, I know how this ends. All right. I've seen it all. It's pure math now. And and then 
it was like the my the show wasn't ruined. I like went right back into the show, like nothing had happened. And you saw how I was able to just handle this without any scarring whatsoever, and just knew it was coming. And ever since then, you you're like respect. Oh, when, whenever whatever whatever negativity with the Lions I decree now, you pretty much are like, dude, oh. I, I came from Saint Peter himself at this point, right? It, who do they play tomorrow? Uh, the Bears, and See, I think they're going to win. If you would have told me that tomorrow the Bears will win by uh, lining up and marching around the field six times, blowing <laughs> trumpets, and then the walls would fall, I would take out a hundred bucks. Bank I, I think the Lions will win tomorrow. Mitchell Trubisky, watch, won't play, and the Lions will win some kind of ugly game, and which will put them to see. Because again, the number one goal of the Republican Party is what? Screw conservatives. Number one goal of the Detroit Lions: screw their fans. If they lose tomorrow and go four and seven, every Detroit Lions fan knows. I don't need to watch the whole month of December. Season's over. They can't let you off the hook. Yep. The number one thing the Lions cannot let you do is off. They can't let you. They can't let you quit them. They can't. So even when they finally do suck, they can't go like two and fourteen. See, it's got to be zero and sixteen guys, so that you're even compelled to that to watch that. Do you guys ever ever watch the movie uh, Matilda? Yes. Yeah. And yes. the Chokey. You know, yes. That's the Detroit yeah. Lions. To yeah. So tomorrow they will beat the division rival first place Bears who are without their starting quarterback in a, in a big revenge game. Suck you back in so that they will then lose in excruciating fashion the next two or three weeks in a row. Whoa. Just when you think they're, they're, they're turning it around. Mark my words. Well, and even if you are wrong about that, though. You will still be right because the loss will happen in some bizarre, that's exactly right. Way. Yes, the Detroit Lions as a franchise exist for only two reasons. One is to screw their fans in the most painful way possible over and over again, and the other, and this this impacts all of you watching now, regardless of who your favorite team is. We also exist to clarify obscure NFL rules. That's why we are here. See, yes. my only hope for ultimate, and we we missed on this yesterday, but uh, to for you to ultimately give on an instant replay. Is somehow through the prism of the Lions. Oh, yes, yes. that could happen. Well, why do you know? Why do who started the trend of we don't know what a catch is? Who started that? Calvin, Calvin Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Who started the Lions? Who started the trend of when you can throw the flag for an instant replay or not, and when you're not allowed? Who started that trend? Mm-hmm. The Lions yeah. against the Houston Texans on Thanksgiving a few years ago. Who started the trend of we don't call the coin flip in the air anymore? Who started that trend? That was the Lions versus the Steelers on Thanksgiving Day when Jerome Bettis clearly called heads and the referee didn't hear it and gave us the ball and we won it over overtime and they changed that rule. We exist to torment the likes of me and then to clarify obscure rules for the likes of you. That's that's why the Detroit Lions. If are you're here. looking for a pagan religion, this is as solid as it comes yeah. to us right here. <laughs> yeah. This is this is this is a hermeneutic that stands up to skepticism and scrutiny. No doubt about that. No. Even atheists are like <laughs> worshiping at the altar of the Detroit Lions. Universal, cosmic, heartbreaking, and clarification of obscure NFL rules. That's why we're here. All right, more of buy, sell, or hold live on the Blaze on demand at CRTV when we come back. <laughs> So, got exciting news yesterday. Big box comes in the mail, and I look at the label, and it says Brick House Nutrition. That's right. I got my first bottle of Field of Greens in the mail yesterday. Tried it out. And uh, our kids love those uh, naked juices, particularly the green machine. That's like Noah's favorite one. And I'm like, he's like Mikey. Well, he's like the anti-Mikey in our home. Like he likes nothing. And it like changes too. Like 
he likes two or three things right now and it's all he likes. And then like one day you go to get him one of those two or three things and he's like, eh, I'm kind of over it. And got to figure out what the two or three things he's going to consume over and over again are right now. You guys have any, you have any kids like that? Does he like leftovers? Oh, no. No, he's got the, yeah, my DNA does not do leftovers. My youngest daughter pretty much survives on potato chips. Yes. Okay. So, you know, I, I open it up and I'm like, I think this smells pretty good, but I also could be biased because they're sponsoring our show. So I know Noah, he doesn't like, like anything, you know? So I opened it up, had him smell. He's like, wow, that smells kind of like, you know, one of those uh, mean green machines uh, for, that, that I like to drink. Put it in my green tea because you can mix it up into anything. And I was, well, Steve, you would say, if you didn't like it, you wouldn't say so. Well, you're right. I wouldn't, I just probably wouldn't say anything. Uh, But I was shocked at how good it was. And here's the thing too. Um, It's an actual superfood. Like I did, I, I, I'm like, I want to make sure I'm telling the truth in my own ads. So I turned over the bottle and it did say nutrition facts, which means it's a real food. It didn't say supplement facts. And uh, I was shocked at how good it was. And here's the other thing too. The vast majority of you that are watching or listening right now are not getting the serving of fruits and vegetables in your diet that you need a day. And, you know, God provided those foods for a reason. They provide some nutrients, some vitamins, immunity boosters. They, they, you know, there, there's, a, there's a natural equation. There's a give and take happening here. This is an excellent supplement to make sure you're getting that dose into your body each and every day. Uh, all organic, which means it comes from the original source. Nothing's been chemically treated or or processed or anything of that nature. And it's your full one scoop. I put it right there in my green tea, mixed it up. That was a full day of dosage right there of veggies uh, and fruits and vegetables. And, and they've got all the antioxidants that you need. You know why your mom told you to eat your broccoli, even though you didn't like it, is that's an uh, broccoli has an, an excellent immunity booster in it, right? All that stuff is right here in Field of Greens. And for a limited time offer, you can visit BrickHouseSteve.com and use promo code Steve to get 15% off of your first order. Again, visit BrickHouseSteve.com today and experience a better you tomorrow by using my name as a promo code, Steve. Get 15% off of your first order of Field of Greens or any of the other fantastic supplements they have there at BrickHouse Nutrition. All right, let's continue with Buy, Seller, Hold. Aaron, you're up. This one is probably going to be the easiest one uh, all afternoon. Deep fried turkey, instant buy. Yeah, instant buy. It's really good. I mean, really good. Yep. Yeah. Um, really good. Uh, moving on, Joe Myler says the television ratings for all three Thanksgiving games this year will be at a 15-year low. Sell. Sell. Uh, ratings are improving. And with the, with the NFL did Monday night with that game, and it's looking now like this is going to be the highest-rated Monday night game since the whole controversy began. And Monday night football is carried by ESPN, and what's the network that largely stoked this controversy? ESPN. ESPN. All right. And, you know, what the NFL did on Monday night also, you know, remember a couple of years ago when you had the terrible shootings of the cops in Dallas? Yeah. And the, the Cowboys for their week one game wanted to honor the Dallas PD and the NFL wouldn't let them do it. Yep. You know, in this case, they went ahead and realized what a bunch of jack wagons they were. Uh, and first responders are not the enemy. Doesn't mean, by the way, that doesn't mean cops never brutally brutal or shoot somebody wrong or no, that doesn't mean they're, I didn't say they weren't perfect. I didn't say they were perfect. I said, institutionally, they're not the enemy. That's different. Okay. Institutionally, they're not your automatic enemy. 
and and they let uh, the Rams honor the first responders there that are dealing with the California the, the historic levels this year of California wildfires, and and lo and behold, uh, you know they put a fantastic product on the field, they depoliticized it and instead used it as a platform to celebrate celebrate unifying American themes. And what do you know? They had the largest television audience they've had in three years. Why three years? Well, what started happening three years ago? Oh, yeah, the controversy. That's what began three years ago. So, you know, you've got two traditional rivals, the Cowboys and the Redskins, the Bears and the Lions. And then you have, you know, maybe the best team in the NFL playing at night, the New Orleans Saints. I don't think they'll be at a 15-year low at all. I think I think they're finally coming back to – and I don't – and I don't, I'm not one of those people that believes you have to shut up and dribble – I'm not one of those people that believes oh, just 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 play football. You know, you're a human being. It's it's the it's not that the players want to have a political voice. And I'm because when most of the time when you see a commentator on ESPN say, you know, I really want the players to speak up. What they really mean is I want the players to be uh, vessels of propaganda for progressivism. Like something te- something where it's something tells me Jamel Hill would probably have a whole different vantage point on players speaking up if some guy decided he wasn't going to visit the uh, the the white house because Barack Obama was for abortion you know what i'm saying yep. this is really one see that's the issue it's it's the part it's partisan politicization of the sport and you're welcome to do that the problem is the vast majority of people who consume the NFL are opposed to Jamel Hill's politics so it's the number one rule of business is don't crap where you live. That's what they were doing. The reason why politicizing the NBA doesn't hurt it as much as the NFL is because the people that watch the NBA tend to be of a more progressive bent than the people who watch the NFL. And so they're not as offended by it. Okay. Plus, by the way, by the, the NBA has a far more draconian anthem policy. Like you have to be there. You have to stand. All right. Which is it's the most openly progressive league of them all, and it has the most draconian national anthem policy. I just want to say Steve Kerr just called and said he does not like the anthem uh, policy from the NFL or <laughs> right. anything. At the same time, he's that, out yeah. there mandatory standing for his own, yeah. right? So that's the issue. It, 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 it the, I don't. Players are humans. They get. They have. They're adults. They get to vote. They're welcome to have the opinions that they want. The issue is you. They wanted to kneel for the anthem, and then and then and then if you opposed it, you weren't allowed to. No, that's not the way. Hey, you want to enter into the political world? Then you have. Then it cuts both ways. If you don't, if you're not willing to pay the cost of it cutting both ways, then stay away. And so it's one thing for the players to have their opinions. It's an, and they've got Twitter accounts for that, and they can go on ESPN shows and air those. It's the fact that they wanted to use the games themselves as the platform for them, and now you're politicizing something that should be unifying. And so I, don't, I think the NFL has now figured out they've paid enough of a price for this, and I think they're coming out of the wilderness, so I, I'm selling on this. Can't do better than that, so... Blake Johnson says King's Hawaiian sweet rolls prove the existence of God. Very underrated white trash delicacy right there. Found at all of your local Walmarts and Targets. Yes. Uh, I will sell only because they're fine, but this is a a roll we're talking about. You know, you have to slather it with butter to up its game to the level that it needs to be a delicacy standing on its own. I mean, we're, t- we're just talking bread, man. Set- settle down. Holy hey, Jesus, um, Jew. Yeah, hey, Tom. Wow. Uh, what's your favorite brand of uh, vinegar to drink straight? <laughs> it's only vinegar, Todd. 
Wow. Holy Jesus. Todd just did an insipid Jesus joke by herself. Okay, yeah. If Bye. somebody puts down a King's Hawaiian roll in front of you and you don't tell you it's a King Hawaiian roll, do you know it's a King's yeah, Hawaiian Yeah, I would know by the smell. Yeah, I would. Over any other rolls? Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah. By the smell. Okay. I would. Yeah. I think we might need to do that live on air, that test. Yeah. From yeah. five different You know what's funny roles. is my kids, she, she's doing something else now. I think she's doing like social justice warrior stuff, but uh, the the chick that used to do that, that got famous doing nerdy nummies on YouTube. Don't know what you're talking about. You have daughters and you don't know because no. our daughter, my daughters, were obsessed with this for like two years until she decided she wanted to be social justice warrior. But she's she used to have these uh, nerdy nummies. Her and her sister would do these taste tests, blindfold taste tests, and it would be ice cream flavor, ice cream brands, pizza deliveries. Can you can you blindfolded by the taste name them? All right fast food burgers. And so a couple of years ago for fun, my kids thought it would be fun for my birthday to blindfold me, go get like all of the local fast food hamburgers and see if I would, if I could, if I could get them right. I got them all right. And that's I, why we didn't do it again. They I, got mad. I'm pretty wow. sure. I'm pretty sure I could do that too. Yeah. There's a very distinctive. There's all they all have to say. Agreed. Uh, Joshua Danielson says uh, corn casserole is delicious. I don't know what corn casserole is. I've never had. Is that like I think they're talking about cornbread casserole? My guess is, which is good. So Todd's buying that. But uh, yeah, I'll buy it. I mean, mean, I live in Iowa, and you asked me a question about corn, so I, I think by, you know, by necessity, like I'm, I think I'm excommunicated if I don't buy, even though I don't know what this is, but I'll buy. Sure. Uh, let's see. Senor Tosino says there will be a think piece this weekend about the need to change the name Black Friday because of racial insensitivity. <laughs> buy. Absolutely buy. Uh, the name of Thanksgiving, it's in? No, Black, no, Black Friday. Friday. Oh, Black Friday. Yeah. Well, they're already, I saw a couple of them about Thanksgiving. So, yeah, it's a common. Yeah. Uh, D says, uh, buy, sell, hold. You're not a real man if you're relegated to sit at the card table extension part of this Thanksgiving <laughs> table. I, for one, say I would, wait, if, if I were around my nieces and nephews more, I would much, I would always, I'll take nieces and sitting with the nieces and nephews um, nine times out of ten. Here's the thing, though. The adult table. There, that is, you're, you're willingly doing it. Relegated. Oh, that's a different story. It's like a sentencing, yeah. Yeah. right? Uh, yeah, that's Okay, but you know, people have. Here's the thing: I I like the point the person's trying to make. I get where they're going, but you know, you can also have a large gathering, and not everybody can afford, you know, a twenty foot oak table, and yeah. they got to kind of make do. So, while I get the point being made, and I'm somewhat sympathetic to it, because I think it goes too far for what people's personal circumstances may be. I'm going to sell, but with, I'm selling without prejudice. I Meaning, I'm not offended by the proposition. I just think it goes too far. I think I'll buy narrowly. I think you need to think about uh, what you've done and uh, up your game over the next 364 days to make sure this doesn't happen again. Uh, let's see. Your tribalism sucks. Says stuffing is a food group, much like peanut butter cups. I think we're all in agreement. I mean, except for me. I don't know. Sell. So, it's not a food. It, it doesn't. Stuffing is uh, not a food group. It doesn't wow. approach. Reese's peanut butter cup status. What, what in the world, man? Really? And this it, from the guy who's just did his hey, box I love, of stuffing. Listen, I love stovetop. I'm not like grabbing. Hey, hey, honey, can you grab me a bar of stovetop? 
when you're in the checkout lane. I'm, when I'm at the movie theater, I'm not like, guys, gonna be stovetop? No. Okay. This is like when I, the take I used to have about amateur wrestling. They used to have, one guy got so mad at me once when I did sports talk radio. He showed up at the sports bar I was doing it from and got hammered and then like threatened to kick my ass afterwards because there's nothing wrong with wrestling, but your sport's not as cool as the others. And how do you know? No one wears your gear for fun. You're not at the Cinemax or Cinemark on a Friday night for the Avengers movie and the other show gets out and like, hey, look at the guys wearing a water polo helmet. That doesn't happen, okay? You're not like at church after your favorite wrestling team wins and the next day you're at church with a singlet on. Nobody does that, okay? So it's not as cool. Likewise, I'm not just like snacking on stuffing in June, you know, a family movie night. Honey, what do you want? Uh, I'll make some stovetop. No. So it's not of Reese's peanut butter cup status. And I am as offended as I have ever been that someone would dare draw this moral equivalency. Awful. No. So. I will buy this only if that was only if that <laughs> was you spite. trolling Steve. Yeah, just because spite, then yeah. genius. <laughs> Uh, Bill Kindle says uh, cheesy potatoes, first of all. Uh, we all buy that. You have to buy that if you're mm-hmm. American. Uh, and he sends this picture. Um, it's, a, it's a map of the United States and broken down into different regions of most um, uh, most popular pies around Thanksgiving. Let's start in the uh, West sweet potato pie cell. This is the same region of the country in that other map that was going viral this yeah, week. Yeah, I don't believe. I, li- I lived in as California as a kid. That's I don't dumb. remember having dumb. sweet potato pie for dumb. Thanksgiving. So I have to sell it for the region? No, no, no. Just buy or sell. Or just, um, just buy or sell. Do you like sweet potato okay. pie at, at, at Thanksgiving? I no, I don't believe that's the number one pie in the West. Second. I don't believe that. I think that's fake news. Um, in the uh, High Plains and Rockies, blackberry pie. I could absolutely believe edgy New, yeah. you know, trendy. Yeah. I could believe, you know, uh, well, we, we don't have blueberry or cherry. Uh, we have blackberry. I could, I could buy, there's a run-on blackberry rhubarb in Denver. You oh, bet I sure. could. Yeah. yeah, I'll buy that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yep. What about you? Yeah. Uh, key lime in the, south, uh, in the southern states. Here's I'll the thing. It. Can you picture somebody in Oklahoma City or Tulsa? No. That, that, that's lime. the thing. Like, if we were doing, like, like I can imagine key lime is number one in Austin, Texas. I don't believe yeah. it's like number one in like I believe pecan is or pumpkin is probably number one in San Antonio. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm selling on that. Yeah. I'm selling. Oh. But I could see key lime. Here's the thing though. I could see key lime being number one all over Florida. I could see that. I just think it I think it goes a little too far, so I'm gonna sell. Well, it might be a per capita thing. I can see them being a little contrarian down there, sure. Bye. Uh, Midwestern states, coconut cream. Uh, my mom also makes a mean coconut cream pie as well. Uh, coconut cream in the Midwest, no, but I'm it's still it's selling pumpkin that. pumpkin pie yeah, in our part pie. of the country. It's and then the Northeast uh, pecan pie. I could buy that. Good for them. Yeah, I could yeah, buy I could that. Buy that. Particularly yeah. if you're going to include, like, the whole, if it's more of the Atlantic seaboard and so you have, like, North Carolina and South Carolina in there, then I buy that. But I think in our part of the country, it's pumpkin is number one by far. Don't you think so? I do. Yeah, okay. Uh, Chris Pandolfo uh, from Conservative Review has several. Uh, cranberry sauce, that's a buy, I think, from all of us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mashed potatoes versus sweet potato casserole. Oh, come on. I'm a yes. Buy the, buy the mashed potatoes, sell the sweet potato casserole. I'm a yes on, I'm yes. a yes, yeah. because my, my mother-in-law's sweet potato casserole is insanely good. Uh, white versus dark turkey. I'm, I'm buying, 
I'm white by itself. Just I'm, by itself. I'm totally I'm racist buying, on my turkey. No, it's got to be white. I'm I'm buying the dark turkey yeah, like just by white. itself. I like white meat. If you're gonna do white, I said turkey, that very creepy, and I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're gonna do white, uh, he keeps talking. Yeah, <laughs> white, <laughs> white turkey. You gotta have some. You gotta have a, quite a bit of uh, gravy to go along with the white turkey. Uh, apple pie versus pumpkin pie. I'm gonna it, just because of the tradition. Pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin yeah, and then salad. So, like a, just salad? a green salad. Yeah, so. salad. Yeah, so. I'd love salad, but no, not on I, I, I love it too, but it's salad. Why? I mean, seriously. Stay in Why? your lane. See, that's your Thanksgiving where's, has bumper. I mean, come David on, French, man. Where, uh, salad. David French to write an article about salad staying in its lane at Thanksgiving. Salad. Yeah. Um, Constantinos Rhoditis, uh, finally, who who sponsors but doesn't fund this uh, segment, says the biggest <laughs> hard sell of all time is Tofurky. Yeah, you can tell he's in California. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, you walk out. You want to talk about satanic out. dishes? Yeah. That's one right yeah. there. This will not stand. Yeah, I'm not part you, of this. You, you cannot inhabit the space of such you, a fiend. If you wonder how we got to the point where we were literally talking uh, in the first segment today about all the, all the things that the judges have done in the, just the last week, it all stems from Tofurky. I don't know how. Just trust me. If you're that. in a house where that presents itself, you step outside and you're the guy in the street, you know, doing uh, throwing holy water on the place. You, you know, know what? Here's what you do. That's a good suggestion. Here's what I would suggest. You want if you're in, if you go to a place tomorrow and they're selling tofu turkey. Here's what you do. Even if you don't smoke, just start lighting up Marlboro Reds right there in their home. Yeah, right there. Yeah. The thickest, most disgusting cigarette smell of all time. It, it is literally like you're right at the tobacco distillery mainlining. That's what a Marlboro Red is. Even if you don't smoke, just to prove your point. That, 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 that requires a level of rebellion. You need to return atrocity for atrocity. And so you just start chaining out Marlboro Red young, lung darts right there and, and blow out the plume all over the tofu. All over the tofu. That's you're, what you do. You're Michael Keaton in the original Batman. You want to yep. get nuts? Yes. Get nuts. This is this is Michael. This is this is Michael Douglas in Falling Down, yeah. where he is so furious at the traffic jam, he just gets out of his car, leaves it there, and walks out. That's what you're doing right now. Someone has to pay for that. Uh, last one, really quickly, from Robbie. You know, from Conservative Review. He says, uh, "Buy tortier. It's a Quebecois uh, meat pie." Uh, I think the only uh, respectable answer to this is go back to Canada. Uh, this is our holiday. Is he speaking in tongues? What was yeah. that? Apparently. Go back to Canada. That's as good of a happy that Thanksgiving. Can't, that, that can't be real. Is that real? Yeah. It can't be real. Yep. Rob, you're fired. Yep. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody else. See you again on Monday. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.